you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got an amazing guest on this afternoon, uh, stroke this morning, as it is for Ravi over in Florida, uh, who is the founder of Scaling With Systems. Welcome to the show, Ravi. Robin, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, when you said this afternoon or uh, on your uh, intro there, I always forget the time difference between both of them. So yeah, a morning for me, afternoon for you. And I guess uh, welcome to everybody else that's listening to us on this podcast. Well, it's it's the glory of being in a global marketplace, Ravi. We're, we're blessed with the internet. Um, you know, Very both, much so. In fact, I, you look far too young. You probably weren't even around when the internet was born in 1990, I should think. <laughs> I was, I was not. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> four years, four years later than that. That was my birthday. Oh, there you go. So, I, I yeah, I was, uh, I was already around for ten years when the internet was born. I didn't really take advantage of it though. I wish I had. Probably should have got some stocks in Facebook, but it's a story for another day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're actually, um, I wanted to kick things off really because um, we're going to be talking about how you scaling with systems to help, you know, the coaches and consultants that you work with to grow from six to seven figures in their businesses, um, and there's some really cool stuff. I can't wait to dig into around that. But actually, I wanted to um, start with kind of um, COVID, which is something which I've kind of avoided on this podcast up to this point. But um, I was reading your biography and you made some really salient points about, um, you know, how how business owners and people have been affected by COVID-19. What sort of things are you seeing at your end? And, you know, are people still making money? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. And it's so funny. And you're right. Like, you know, people try to stay away from talking about it for multiple reasons, right? Uh, you know, but it is a reality of the world that we live in right now. And the truth of the matter is that people are still making money and people are still making an incredible amount of money. I just got off the phone with uh, a good friend of mine. He's $838,000 cash collected last month. Um, and it's just like, when you speak to people like that, you're just like, there's so much money out there. And um, the other thing that I think if you're in the coaching and consulting space, which is really interesting, that we have the advantage, obviously, other than just being an online business and having a global talent pool, et cetera, et cetera, is that, how do I phrase this correctly? More people are comfortable now consuming content online than ever before, right? I mean, doing anything online, right? Um, you know, Watching movies is obviously a new thing online now, but buying courses, watching YouTube, doing school online, people, university, people are now getting more and more comfortable buying things and only interacting virtually, which is where the coaching, consulting, and a lot of these online service providers community has been for a long time. So it's actually been really interesting. We've had a real spike because uh, not only do we help coach consultants, but we really help anybody that's a higher ticket B2B service provider. And so we've had a real big spike of people that have brick and mortar stores or were kind of just the companies that were relying just only on referrals who are now like, hey, these are drying up or, you know, I need more money or my other income source is, is gone. And they're saying, how do we start 
generating appointments more on demand, whether it's outbound messaging, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, some of the stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about here. But yeah, I I read a great book when I, uh, when all this went down called the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday. And it just pretty much talks about how, like, whatever you think is the biggest problem in your life, arguably COVID for a lot of people, um, can end up being one of the best things to ever happen to you or your business if you let it and not to sound like a cheesy hallmark card, but I think that really has been the case for ourselves and for a lot of our clients as well. One of the things which I've noticed is I think once, especially companies here in the UK got over the immediate panic on March the 23rd, um, the ones who, you know, once everything had settled down after three or four weeks, you know, I noticed there was a very different energy towards the businesses and the way they were going about their business. And and actually the businesses, for example, that were coming into fearless business, they just seemed a lot more serious. They were kind of like, no, no, we're going to, if we're going to spend our money, we want this to, to work. And you, you must, you must see that a lot, but I, I've, I'm talking about here kind of businesses that have been around for a while. So they're business owners that are kind of, you know, they've got all the war wounds and the scars to kind of show for it. But where, like, this is a really interesting time for people who are actually starting out in business as well. And I see it as a great opportunity because you can grow and accelerate a business like a phenomenal rate right now. But how, how do you see the marketplace for people just starting out? It's super interesting, right? And I was having this conversation last night with somebody else. Is like, you know, imagine like going, your first day of school is online right now, right? Imagine like it, the world is very different for a lot of people compared to obviously a year ago. And it doesn't matter if you're starting school uh, or you're maybe you just started a relationship or you're starting a business, right? And no matter what, the whole world is looking different. And for the people that are starting a business, I actually really like it because I'm a big, uh, you know, uh, I want to say the word capitalist without people throwing rocks at me, but like, I do believe in like a competitive marketplace, free market. Money's a good thing. It is a great thing. It's a great thing. I mean, it really is a great thing. And so I like the marketplace that's even less forgiving. Like, I think that when the, when times are great and the economy's at an all time high, you're on a run for 12 years, you can create any product and you're making money online. Right. I saw people with terrible products, terrible offers, scams, whatever it is. And everyone has this disposable income and they're just like, Oh sure. So you can be a half decent business owner and get away with it in a great economy. And I think it was Warren Buffett that says it's when the, the tide is low that you see who's been swimming, you know, naked. And so now that things are down, you can't just throw up a funnel, a, you know, a click funnels and a, a, a shitty service or a shitty, a shitty offer. You can't have not have social proof. You can't like, you have to prove product market fit now, right? You, you have less money. Um, you have people that are a little more skeptical, your clients or your target market might have less money as well. So they're being a little more conscious of how they're spending it. And so you need to be able to prove product market fit before you scale things. And uh, because of that, I think it's a lot easier to do it and to be more profitable from day one, because this might relate to a lot of people on here, what will happen with some people is they'll start a business and they don't even really 100% have product market fit, but people are buying their stuff. And uh, a lot of it's like warm referrals or whatever it is. And so they're pretty much just putting along. And it's like, you know, it's like the golden handcuffs. You're making just enough money that you don't think that there's anything wrong, um, but you're not able to actually really scale. Like there's no real button of volume that you can turn up and be like, I want to hit $300,000 a month. I want to hit 500 because you don't have that dialed in. Uh, where now you're forced to figure that out in the very beginning and make sure that that's working. And because that's in the very beginning, you figured it out so much easier to scale up from there. So some people, once again, might look at it as like, Oh, such a difficult time to start a business where right now I'm like, you know, let those people think that let the naysayers, I'm totally cool with it. But the early adopters, you know, the people here that actually see the opportunity, they're going to absolutely crush it if they have the kind of right minds and the right training to do it. 
So what you've, you've alluded to kind of mindset and training there, but what sort of mistakes do you see people making when they're sort of, they, they could scale, but for whatever reason, they keep on kind of bouncing off that glass ceiling and never quite kind of break through. Yeah. So the first thing is obviously, like I said, product market fit. So they don't, they're not, they don't know who the niche is. They don't have a specific current group of people. They don't have a specific current problem that they have and they don't have a specific solution. So they're just offering anything to everybody. Um, they don't really know, you know, if someone says, what do you do? It would take them 10 minutes to even explain it to them. Right. Um, I forgot what book I read, but someone was like, if you can't explain what you're doing to a six year old in two minutes, then you don't even know what you're doing. And so I think that's kind of what's really important to be able to do is be super concise, especially in the coaching and consulting world. And so a lot of the limiting mindset and beliefs is like, if I niche down, I'm going to miss out on these potential people, or I'm not going to be able to, you know, I'm throwing away all this business over here, which is just baloney. I mean, there's so much money and so much business out there, but it is a difficult thing as a business owner to decide on. Um, but if, let's say you do have product market fit, a few of the other kind of glass ceilings and barriers that I see people have is number one, they're afraid to spend money to make money. So, you know, they've been burned by paid ads or, um, you know, they've been burned by an advertising agency or they've been burned by employees doing lead generation for them. And so they don't want to try it again. When in reality, if you can actually build a machine and kind of what we were talking about before this, if you can make it convert using free traffic, like outbound messaging or even your inbound Facebook, your inbound group, whatever it is, and then you actually understand Facebook ads a little bit or YouTube ads a little bit, you can hook that in there. And then, you know, for us, from a uh, booked appointment to a paying client in six and a half days. Uh, and, you know, our, our ticket prices is, is uh, not low. It's a higher ticket price. And so for us, I know I can put $1 in and get $5 out in six and a half days. And so I'm just continuously putting that dollar in. But it took me a little bit of time to figure out that that's how the machine works. And so a limiting belief I see people doing is like they're just afraid because they don't know if they're going to get that money back to put money in ads or money in, in online spending. Uh, which in reality, I really don't think you could waste. Ads will never be as cheap as they are right now. They will never be cheaper than they are right now. So I don't well, think there's ever... new platforms coming into the market all the time. You know, all the so time. He's been in Facebook for ages and um, LinkedIn's always been a bit slow to the party, but YouTube ads is a great, it's like a gold mine at the moment, you know, half the price, quarter the price of, you, of Facebook. So we love you know, YouTube. I, I can't wait. I'm, I, it's, it's in my strategy. It's my plan to kind of um, make that transition across because I think there's a great opportunity with YouTube. I, just rewind a second. So, I mean, one of, one of the kind of major differences, people are probably looking at fearless business and scaling with systems and kind of thinking, well, what are the similarities or differences here? So um, it's it's worthwhile explaining. So we're probably pre, we take the businesses like even pre-scaling. So one yeah. of the biggest challenges was the mindset you were talking about there was, Oh, I can't sell high ticket because nobody will be nobody will buy it. So we take on businesses who have got clients that, but typically they're selling them at a low hourly rate or day rate. We package them up and then and then kind of teach them how to sell higher ticket. Um, we don't do the scaling part of it though. So it strikes me this the mindset piece is something where you know you've got to fix that first and see abundance before you can actually then go right now let's systemize it and actually grow this thing yeah i couldn't agree more and i love the mindset aspect of it but like you know for me i like getting a return on investment for my clients within like 10 days i like just like literally they get in and a lot of my clients they say like you know, you're better than this person or this person or this person because there's no fluff. It's not like you got a whole module on mindset, whatever it is. And it's not because I don't believe in it because like, obviously Robin, you're successful in business as well. Like my 
mindset is more important than anything else out there. But we're kind of assuming you already have a lot of that stuff down. And we're just, you already have a business. Like in the beginning, Robin had said, Hey, who's your typical client avatar? And I was like, look, they're already doing anywhere from like 80 to $150,000 a year annually. They have some clients. So they know what online business is. They kind of have the mindset, uh, but they need to scale up something that's already working. And so, yeah, for us, we don't necessarily dive super deep. I maybe have like three modules on, on mindset on it because I'm kind of assuming you already know it, but yeah, if you don't have the mindset that you're, you're dead in the water already, you're not even going to make it to our level. Right. And so I hats off to you for teaching it. Um, I, I know you, you've written a few books on it as well, but it's, it's definitely something really difficult for people to get through. And I think there's a lot of people also teaching a lot of conflicting information out there. So it's kind of hard to believe like who, who do I follow and who do I trust essentially? So, uh, well, I'm going to follow on with that question then. Who, who are the good guys? Cause there, I mean, this is like the world that we live in, like coaching has changed so dramatically and I would say that 80% of coaches out there don't deserve to be coaching. They shouldn't be out there coaching because they're more of a, you know, they're out there for themselves, like the, to pay their mortgages, to put food on their tables. They're not really there to kind of serve and add value to people's businesses. And there's like a select few who get great results for people. So let's talk about the select few. Who are the sorts of people you kind of look up to in our space? Yeah. What an awesome question. And like, for me, that's why I go back to like, why I'm excited for now is because like, you know, that whole, like I'm a fraud and I just look at it for myself. That's starting to disappear because like, number one, they probably didn't really have any money themselves because they didn't really have a great business in the first place because they weren't delivering results. Um, and number two, their client, the target market, everyone's being a little tighter on their purse strings and how they spend their money. And so, you know, before any schmuck could have started a business now, it's like, you really gotta, I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of video testimonials and it's still, we still, still have skeptics. I think that we bought all of our video testimonials. Like they, like, so like, you're still always going uphill, but it's even more so now because of COVID, which I see as actually a good thing. But as far as people that I look out to, if you're watching this right now, like, you know, I actually have a few different mentors and they don't, some people don't even know that they're my mentor. Right. But, um, and I, it's, I think it's hard to find somebody that embodies like the relationship side and the fitness side and the business side and the personal life side and the spiritual side. And so I kind of pick and choose a few guys that I look up to that have like a certain aspect. And I know that, Hey, if I don't, you know, they're so focused on business. Um, and so like, I can pull that from it, but I don't want to be just like them because they're also like, 300 pounds, right. Or 200 pounds or something like that. And I don't want to be that heavy. So I had to kind of combine this. So, you know, as far as names are concerned, um, there's some really big guys out there like Les Brown, uh, that's gotten me through a really, really, some really difficult times. Uh, I've actually met him before. Uh, I like Gary V in a lot of ways or some things that I don't love about Gary V, but it's a lot of the stuff that he does. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I actually think it's so crazy his content, how he he predicts stuff. I've never seen anybody else like it. Like you know, when he puts up a video, how he predicted something eight years before it happened, and then he shows it on uh, on Instagram, just like how you know he's so good at seeing trends. And that's a really I, that's I think any business owner, if you can have awareness around you, I think that's probably the most valuable skill. And he's obviously made a, a fortune for him. But yeah, Gary V. Uh, um, uh, Les Brown. I think Tony Robbins is another really good guy, but as far as the business world is concerned, uh, a few good guys that I like and that I've, I work with actually Sam ovens, I think is a, a really incredible guy. I've learned a good bit from him. I'm in his inner circle. It's another gentleman by the name of Nick Cosman. I think he's a really, really smart yeah. guy as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's like, 
you got to be. And plus, I can't tell everybody who I'll look up to. Then everybody's going to go start learning from them, and they're going to have more competition. So I kind of well, no, keep this, it close to just the thing. This is I, I. I would rather it's a community of the good guys rather than you know the sharks sure. circling around the red red ocean. We don't want that. We want people to no, get I the agree. best possible results and outcomes. And I always believe that you know you should be you should be abundant. And it's up to those guys as well. Like at the end of the day, if somebody was listening to this and and went up to Sam Ovens, like you know, and they said, "Oh, I heard Ravi talking on the podcast with Robin," and you know, they they mentioned your name I, I would hope that sam would go why aren't you speaking to them then yeah <laughs> that's, that's where abundance comes from and it's where you know the sort of guy that's the sort of guy that hopefully he is you know i look up to it's interesting at the start i mentioned about kind of the days of um pre-internet and post-internet you know and i i've been doing a lot of work around um sort of the, the old school marketers like eugene schwartz i'm in brian kurtz's sure. mastermind for over deliver you know these are guys who've been writing marketing and advertising content since before the internet started so they really understand like human psychology because that is ultimately what it's about. You know, we talked about mindset in terms of being able to sell high ticket and scale, but also like advertising to be able to actually market and grow a business at scale. You've got to understand like your market. Yeah. And then Dan Kennedy is the ultimate sales letter. I'm, I'm rereading that book right now, uh, which is another incredible book. Yeah. Eugene Schwartz, uh, um, the father of advertising, David Ogilvy. Uh, that's yeah. another. That's another incredible book as well. And yeah, could not have been locked more. in a room with those guys for twenty four hours. I know, right? Jeez, what'd you learn from that? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you bring up a really good point, right? So those are people that, like, in the modern day, I'm looking at them for like, you know, more like not necessarily foundational stuff, more like you know, tips and tricks and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, the foundational stuff is for me, David Ogilvy, Eugene Schwartz, uh, Dan Kennedy, like the people that really pioneered. Um, a lot of this stuff, uh, that I think I'm just like, and like you said, they had to do it through direct response mail. Right. And they had it like, they had it so much more difficult. So their costs were higher. So once again, you go back to what I said in the beginning, they had to make sure everything was right before they sent the letters out where now you can edit, you can edit an ad in 10 seconds and you can change it. You can do 50 split tests. You weren't doing that back then, right? You had to get all the research done up front and then send it out and then have a successful campaign. So, uh, you know, you take that kind of foundational stuff and then you apply it to the modern tools that you have. And that's how you just have, I mean, you just go on a tear. That's how you have literally curves that go up and to the right. Like Would that. You, you say that they had it, you know, difficult back then. I actually think they had it easy. So because there was less competition? Less competition, fewer platforms, like there's less media out there, fewer people, you know, everybody knew what they wanted back in the 1960s and 70s. You know, they knew what they were into. Um, uh, but actually, like the, the for the same point though, of what you just said there, like advertising dollars, they meant something back then because the moment yeah. you sent out 10,000 or 100,000 mailings, that money was gone. It's gone on postage and whatever. So the jeopardy was there. And I think people have forgotten about the jeopardy that's actually involved with marketing in this day and age. And so they do all these ads. They do, they try out all these different platforms. They just throw marketing, I call it marketing shit, basically. They just spray marketing shit all over their prospects without really realizing it because there's no jeopardy there. If actually internet marketing had a tax on it that for every ad you put out is going to cost you a dollar per person anyway, don't you think people would be a little bit more clever about how they would advertise their businesses? Yeah, and I think as well, like I think that once again the marketplace 
reward people who actually know what they're doing and who actually put good, valuable content out there. And, you know, I don't know if you've read uh, uh, Evolutionary Psychology by Dr. David Buss, but, you know, they talk about the law of reciprocity there as well. So it's like, you know, a lot of the advertising dollars that we do is not even direct, like, hey, buy my stuff. It's more like education and just like, hey, here's some really valuable stuff that you probably don't even know how to do. My YouTube channel does the same thing. And that just generates dollars from us. But it's so interesting that you think that it's like, because I'm like, you know, they, you can put an ad out and within one day and you can have be reaching 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 people, right? You can have a YouTube channel go out even organically and reach 5, 10, 15, 20. You can have virality take off. Um, and it's just like, I think it was so much harder to create content, distribute content back then. And, uh, it's interesting that we kind of see, I definitely see your way as well though, because you're right. Like, you know, imagine being the King back then and like, you know, nobody else knows how to do it. You're obviously cornering the market, but, um, that's interesting that we both see two different sides of it for sure. Well, I'm doing a bit of an experiment. It's a total tangent. We'll come, come back to you in a second, but I'm doing a little experiment. So the Telegraph's a newspaper in here in the UK. They're doing a, a piece on entrepreneurs. Um, and so I've actually taken out an advertorial, a quarter page advertorial, just a small one, just to promote one of my books, just as a bit of an experiment to practice some of the old tips and tricks I learned in breakthrough advertising. Um, and it's supposed to be coming out in early November. So it'd be interesting to see what how, how many hits I get off of 300,000 people with a well-worded advertorial compared oh, very to, interesting. Compared I would to love blasting to see that. an ad out to 300,000 people on Facebook. Wow. Especially like if it's well-written. Or something. <laughs> is it, is it, uh, is it through a website? Is it direct to a website or what? For the no, it's, print. it's, it's print. They're sending no, it. It's, no, but I mean, what is the call to action on the print? Oh, right. So I'm um, doing competition to win a signed copy of the book, but then obviously everybody who enters the competition is going to get a free um, electronic version of it anyway. Very nice. So, Very cool. So we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll have to feed back and let you know what. <laughs> That'd be a good little case study. I would do like a whole little YouTube series on that. That's that's pretty interesting <laughs> to see the difference of it. Oh, there we go. I need some content for my YouTube channel. Anyway, listen, <laughs> coming back to you. So we talked, so you were, you're 1994-ish then, are you? That's when you were born. Yeah, that's 1994. So four years post-internet. Um, how did you, to, to have a business like yours, how did you get there? What was, what's, the, what's the backstory? Yeah, I'll keep it pretty tight. But I, uh, you know, I'm, I come from, so I know I don't look it, but my dad's from India originally. So I come from an Indian family. And, uh, you know, when you're an Indian family, at least in my experience, you're either a doctor or you're a lawyer, right? Like those are the two things, right? Or an engineer or something like that. And uh, so I was going to be a lawyer. That was what I was kind of groomed to be my whole life. That was the plan. Um, and to go in the United States, to go to, to law school, you have to take what's known as the LSAT, law school admission test. And it's like the heaviest weighted thing to determine where you're going to law school. And in, in case anyone here is curious, where you go to law school has the largest impact on almost the rest of your life, right? Where you get your first job, what kind of influence you have, what your uh, you know credentials are whenever you're doing anything else. They always look back at law school if you're in the law field. And so it's a pretty big decision. So after I graduated college, I decided I was gonna take a year off to study for this law school admission test. A few days after I graduated, got a phone call from my dad in Atlanta. I'm living in Florida. Um, and he tells me he's diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So, uh, for me, it just was like, I had to, all of a sudden I had just unpacked all my stuff. I had to pack everything back up again, move to Atlanta. And then for a year I was doing chemo and radiation with them, uh, five days a week. And then I was also studying for law school while I was there, when I came home before I left in the morning. And that was when I started listening to like Les Brown and a lot of these guys where I was just like trying to just stay positive through the whole thing. And, um, long story short at the end of it, 
he went into remission. He's been in remission for three years. So we're super lucky about that. Very blessed, but it kind of threw me for a loop as far as what I, my priorities in life were and how kind of fragile I learned that life was. So I took the test cause I'd studied for it for, you know, a year or arguably my whole life. And I, I got in the top uh, 10% of test takers in the entire United States. And I got in my dream school and I just came downstairs one day. I read it since we're talking about books, another great book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. And uh, I decided I was like a great book. I was like, I'm doing this all for the wrong reasons and I'm doing it for other people. And I'm only going to resent these other people too, because like, it's not, it's not even their fault. It's I'm letting them do this to me by telling me I need to do this. And so I just came downstairs. I was like, I'm not going to law school. And my whole family was just like, thought that I was throwing everything away. I got a job at an Italian restaurant and then I Googled how to make money online. I got retargeted by Ty Lopez's ads. Um, and I bought into Ty Lopez's first course, which was not great, but it did show me that you could make money online. I got my first client from that. Uh, and then as soon as someone handed me a check for something that I really didn't even know how to do yet, I realized how big the marketplace was for it. Um, and then if I like really just all the energy I've been putting on taking care of my dad and law school, you know, I had no friends. I had nobody at that point. I was dropped off the face of the earth. But I just pivoted that to learning how to run online ads and do digital marketing and scale an online business. I knew I'd take off. And uh, yeah, so really difficult first six months of business for sure. I was making $2,000 a month in an Italian restaurant. My family thinks that I've lost my mind because I'm supposed <laughs> to be going to this top tier law school. And um, and now I've been really blessed. Uh, and, you know, 30 person team. We've helped over 800 clients across, you know, the United States, all across the world. And um and I'm now able to take care of my, my family. Uh, and you know, now, and the, the funniest part about all of that, I'll wrap it up with, I was just talking to a gentleman outside uh, of my office here and we had both dropped out of law school. And I was saying, you know, the funniest part is I would have graduated law school in May of this year, which is obviously right when the entire world shut down. So can you imagine three years of your life, $250,000 in debt, you graduate and then the world shuts down and you're just like, I don't know what to do with my hands here. So what we're on, on now in my reality, we've been hitting record month after record month after record month because, you know, I've set myself up that way. So yeah, but that's how I essentially got into the online world from being the, the, the lawyer. It's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, uh, where do I go with that? I mean, so that's okay. That's good news. That's great news. Um, You know, you're clearly like a really smart cookie in terms of like, you know, you're going to go to law school. There's, you know, you're obviously very, very bright. Do you think that's kind of made it easier or has there been a bit of a challenge? uh, No, I think that the best thing that I got from the law school side of it was that one year that I was really in between uh, like university and law school when I was doing that studying. I mean, I was studying for like eight hours a day while I was doing the chemo and radiation. I had no friends, like didn't have a girlfriend, nothing like that. So I really credit to some of the success I have right now. A lot of it had to do with that discipline in that one year and the ability to shut off all distractions. I mean, I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a Facebook. I didn't have, I wasn't texting anybody. I didn't go out on the weekends. It was literally just that. And I really credit a lot of the stuff that I've done now to having that like kind of discipline in that area of my life to just be able to be like, okay, cool. I have no car payment, no girlfriend, no friends. Let me just start entrepreneurship. And then I just kind of focused all of my 
my energy on that. And I honestly think that has a lot to do with why I was able to scale so quickly. It's a, it's really interting actually. Um, there's another entrepreneur whose his books just over my shoulder, actually. Um, uh, Dan Priestley, I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff, but he wrote a book called Entrepreneur Revolution. And I, I was lucky enough, I did it. He's got another book called Key Post for Influence. And I did one of his programs. And I remember um, I, I, everybody else, it was really funny. You know, when you meet, there's an entrepreneur in the room who everybody looks up to and everybody kind of runs to them, but they don't really have a proper question prepared. It took me about 18 months before I sort of plucked up the courage to actually go and speak to this guy. And I held him like, you know, he's, he's so clever. And I eventually went up to him and um, said, Hey Dan, how's it going? Just, just a chat basically. And he's like, yes, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And we both just had kids um, like our first child. And I was like, Dan, I don't really understand like how I've managed to achieve so much. So I wrote my first book um, in the first sort of nine months that my youngest, just after she was born, um, I managed to uh, take my coaching practice up to six figures. Like I, I, I just squashed so much into such a short space of time. And he, he was just, he's an Aussie. I can't do an Aussie accent very well. He's just like, yeah, you just got to fucking focus, mate. And that was <laughs> it. it was just like, he was just like, he, when you're forced to like focus because you're tired, you've got a child to focus on and this and the other. He's like, you pick the two most important things to you at the time and you, you just double down on them. And it sounds like that it was kind of similar for you you know you're helping a dad got to you know keep bills ticking over and things like that as well but um whilst also you know um you know think making that decision about school you were just like just got to focus yeah and, and even when i was doing the 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 job at the restaurant i was like while other people were on their phone and messing around waiting for people to walk into the restaurant i'm like sitting in the back consuming course content, watching YouTube videos. And so, yeah, it just comes down to just your decisions and like what you prioritize in life. And everyone on here that's like, oh, I don't have the time with this. I don't have the time with that. Like everyone has the same amount of time and it sounds cheesy, but it's just like, what are you choosing to spend your time? And and one of the biggest things that I learned uh, a little while ago, and I, I never really had heard it in these exact words, but it's like, you need to make sure you're being proactive instead of reactive. So most people in this world are reactive, right? Emails, customer emails, customer complaints, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, notifications, boom, 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 they're like bounce off the walls. And then they had a busy day where they're spending 12 hours, you know, just pretty much doing nothing but running in circles. And what the really, what that kind of one year gap taught me and what sounds like when you're writing your book, it's like, you have to be proactive. So you have to actually set aside time on your calendar that you're not doing anything else, but this one thing that's going to move the needle forward for you. And in the area of life, spending time with your kid, writing a book, working out, working learning how to do paid ads, learning how to scale, whatever it is. And so uh, for me, that's been a really big strength of myself is just to be like, Hey, anything that's reactive, I either delegate it out, I automate it or I eliminate it. Like that's one of the three things I do and that's, that's reactive. And then I can just focus on the proactive. And if you can set yourself up to have three hours a day of proactive stuff and you do that for 10 years, like, I mean, you're, I, I will money back guarantee you success at that point. Right. Uh, you know, if you can find this video in 10 years from now, but money back guarantee you'll have success at that point versus if you are running around in circles and being reactive every single day for 10 years, what's going to happen is you're going to finally pop your head up and you're going to go, I have not moved one inch in 10 years. And I have been, I'm t like, feel like I'm 30 years older because I'm so stressed. It's it's really interesting. Have you got have you got a camera somewhere in my office? By the way, do you know what my average day looks like? <laughs> you kind of just explain it really well. But I mean, the thing is, so I, I look at it. So a lot of people ask me how I get 
so much done. And I, I'm, I, I take that, that I'm very reactive a lot of the time, but then I have periods of time where I'm ultra productive. So like take today, for example, I was like, I've got to get my podcast sorted out. It's, it's on the wrong platform. It's not doing me any favors. I need to start marketing it better. Like and actually use an asset. I've got 60 episodes now, which, you know, I've not given, I've not done them justice. And I just wanted to really make it great for all of the amazing guests that I've had onto the podcast. Um, and the only way to do that was just to double down basically and spend an entire day just tidying the whole damn thing up and like actually working out a proper strategy. Like you said, do delegate or delete. It's just, you know, um, and, and I kind of have this massive sense of for the first time in a couple of weeks, I actually feel like, oh, I've got something done today. You know, it, 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 it may, and I've just ignored the inbox, ignored all of the notifications, ignored everything else. And then you look at it and you, you look at the notification, you're like, actually, it's just not that important, really, a lot of that stuff. Um, was there ever a point when you kind of thought, oh, shit, maybe I should have gone to law school? Yeah, there was actually really specifically about eight months into business. Um, I had only made $3,000 total cash collected, total revenue in my business. And, um, you know, I was thinking in my head, I was about $15,000 in debt because I wasn't working the entire year before I started business because I was taking care of my dad. Um, and so, and I'm only making $2,000 a month at this restaurant. I didn't want to get a job because I was going to take away time from my business. And uh, it was literally around that time that I'm like, oh my God, was this, did I make this, was everybody right? Did I make this mistake? And uh, what is this going to cost me in long run, whatever it is? And, um, and when I look back, you know, the two of the biggest things I could say is I was number one being super reactive. Uh, and number two, I was not, I was so afraid of failing at this entrepreneurship thing. And I was so afraid still of what other people thought of me that I didn't actually want to tell anybody that I was running a advertising agency because I didn't want people to be like, weren't you supposed to be a lawyer? And now all of a sudden you're an online, like, you know, you're just shifting gears. Like, yeah, exactly. I had huge imposter syndrome, huge, huge. And I was like, so afraid. And there's two big things that did that literally shifted everything for me. Uh, and was like the next month we did $30,000. And uh, the two biggest things were number one, um, I decided I posted a testimonial from the only client that I had on my Facebook page where all my college friends, all my local friends, and they had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, you know, they're going to rip me apart. They're going to make fun of me, but you know what? I just got to do it. Like, this is the last straw where I got to go back to law school. And I didn't want to do that. And um, so I posted on my Facebook page, of course, you know, your brain's so funny. None of those fears ever materialized. Instead, everybody was like, you're, you're new lead generation. Oh my God, let me connect you here. And we signed like five clients the next five days. And I'm just like, I wish I did this sooner. And then I took that momentum and I actually went to, I took the money I just made and I invested instead of spending it on like, you know, paying out my debt or whatever it is. I actually, instead invested it right into a mastermind in Atlanta, Georgia, I was living in Florida at the time to where I could go meet people that are doing $80,000 a month, $120,000 a month running advertising agencies, coaching programs, consulting. Um, and that was the first real time that I was able to like physically touch somebody that was making like seven figures running an online business. I was like, and they were my age or a little bit older. And like, they just gave away the farm. I was, I mean, I, had, I still have the notebook to this day. It's like 10 pages of back and forth notes. And uh, some of them became clients of mine later on. Some of them I bought full coaching programs from. A lot of them I'm still friends with today. I'm actually roommates with two of the guys that I, I went to the mastermind with. We ended up moving to California together and lived together um, because we became so close to it. But yeah, the second part of it was finally investing uh, into the right people and just being like, look, 
you know, I, it's not even as much investing into those people as investing into myself. I was like, I know I can get an ROI from this. And, uh, and yeah, so letting other people know what I was actually doing was a big part of it. And then not being afraid to, like I said, in the very beginning, put money in to be able to make more money out. But, but the thing is that I've, I, one of the things I've noticed about sort of entrepreneurship is that people aren't really investing necessarily in the thing that you do. They're investing in you as a person. And if they believe in yep. you, like sales are never really a problem. And it's really interesting as well what you've just, because like I, I, the fundamental thing which shifts for our clients around sales is when they realize that they've been making tons of dumb mistakes by buying like, you know, $3,500 courses when all they had to do is invest a slightly bigger sum in one expert one who they time. could spend some time with. And and like, yes, okay, it might be a bigger number and it might be a bit more expensive, but if you add up all of the courses and the, the like, the, there's a lot of shit courses out there. Like, don't get me wrong. You, you, all these people are buying all this dross, this rubbish that's not going to help time, moving forward. And the time too. Yeah. And so they'll end up spending like three times the amount of money and time on that stuff. When you find the right expert who can like move you forward, it's, it's cheaper, it's quicker, you get better results. I could not agree more. Yeah. It's, it's, and obviously I hear all the time that like, Oh, people, you know, you guys are coaches, right? So, and then the other ironic thing is, you know, I know you have a lot of coaches and consultants that watch this. I feel like they're the worst people to invest. Like they're afraid to invest their money and they're telling <laughs> yes. other people to invest. I see it all the time. Right. Um, and so like, I had a Mujin Mel, two clients of mine, incredible two young ladies. They run a, we scaled their business to seven figures. It's like a online health and gut business. And the first thing they asked me was like, tell me the last uh, six programs you bought into uh, in the past two years. Cause they wanted to make sure that I was buying into other programs as well. And I literally just got off a call right before this one. I just spent $20,000 to join uh, another a higher level advertising program for a new advertising platform we're trying out. And so like, yeah, you gotta, if you're learning from somebody, they also need to be continuously learning. And, uh, and I, myself, I'm never afraid because I know I see my results and I get my clients. I know you see the results that you get your clients. And I'm like, wow, I just saved that person the whole, that first eight months where I didn't make any money. I just saved that from that person. I'm making that mistakes. So then I just need to figure out like there's levels to this where I need to find someone who's like 10 times down the road of me and then pay them a whole lot of money and then have them help me skip a few more of these levels as well. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, we just had a client join and he was struggling to kind of get signed up. And, and, um, it, it, I just said to him, all you got to do is you, your first client, you'll get this, but you've got to make this, take this leap of faith, make this investment for yourself. And it's like, you know, you have people who are trying to sell 10 K products, but they struggle to buy a three K product. It's like, yeah. it's just done. The maths just don't, it just doesn't work. So you, you've got some, you've obviously got scaling with systems. You're as the business called prospect socialized, just checking your show notes there. Yeah. That's my advertising agency. That's the one that I, that's the original company that I started. Uh, and we shifted from the done for you individual clients to now we work with some really, really large companies like home advisor and Andy's list. Um, you know, they have 250,000 contractors in the United States and like really big. So now instead of selling one person, a hundred leads a month, I sell one person like 5,000 to 15,000 leads a month. So, uh, we, yeah, that way I'm able to, uh, have that kind of running in the background. I only need about 12 clients to make that a seven bigger business. And then I'm able to kind of focus a lot of my time and energy on scaling with systems, which is where a lot of my passion is. 
Cool. So talk to us about scaling the system. So how, how does it work? What sort of work do you do with your clients in there? Yeah. So uh, if like, you know, hopefully they come from you or and they, under, they have a business, they have product market fit, then that's great. We can jump right into getting the lead generation down. But essentially what they'll do is, is they join our program. We pretty much identify like, do you have product market fit? Can you prove it? Do you know the exact niche industry offer that you have? We'll test you and make sure that that's the actual case. Um, and then if, it, if you do a product market fit and you have a case study, then we move to the next phase, which is essentially the lead generation phase. So we give our clients, because um, like you said, a lot of people jump program to program all the time. And one of the things we're missing is the actual, you know, people don't like to do is the actual action, the implementation. And so rather than just keep on telling people, implement, implement. And said what I learned was even better, was a lot of uh, the uh, attributed a lot of my success was we have a training center in the Philippines and we will train virtual assistants for our clients included in the package. And then four days after our clients join, they get a fully trained virtual assistant for $2 and 50 cents an hour based on the Philippines. And they will start doing the lead generation for our clients. So we, once we confirm product market fit, then we help them build assets like funnels and websites and like video sales letters, whatever it is. And then the virtual assistant starts sending outbound messages like anywhere from 300 to a thousand a day. And that'll start getting your calendar full and start getting your prospects going. Um, and then once we can prove we have that down to where you're getting on average, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 appointments a week from that, then what we'll do is like I had said at the beginning of this call, then we turn on paid ads. We're like, okay, cool. Now that we have some money coming in, we've proven product market fit, the virtual system is working full time um, and the calendar is kind of full. Now let's put gasoline on the fire and let's start playing with some paid ads. And so then we teach them paid ads. We work with them on that. Um, and then the final step is just like, at this point, they're closing three, five, 10 clients a week. Um, and so now the question is, how scalable is the back end now? So then we'll work on them. And this is like some of my higher level stuff, but then we'll work on them hiring more sales reps, hiring account managers, hiring customer success managers, like changing their offer from like what you had said, the hourly coach to the group coaching and course side of things. So it's pretty much everything that literally everything you need to go to go from an offer, you make a little bit of money in a six figure business, um, potentially to multi seven figures like we've done. Nice. Uh, there's a couple of questions which people are going to probably have off the back of that. So it's a very British thing. One, virtual assistants. I think we're quite um, not quite sure yet really about the power of virtual assistants because they range from if you want one to hire one in the UK, it's like 30, 40 pounds an hour. Questionable how many are good and what sort of results you get from that. Is it ethical to, to sign a virtual assistant up for $2.50 an hour? Um, yeah. But also, is it going to work? Like, what's it going to be like with language barriers and all that side of it? So there's a ton of questions that I think you may end up sort of facing around the whole VA thing. Yeah, we uh, so we get that all the time, right? How can you pay someone to do it? Because they're equating it to your local currency here. But uh, published by the Filipino government, so you can just Google it, average salary for virtual assistant is about $400 a month. And that's for four people a family can live on in the Philippines. And a lot of times the men are working, making that amount of money. And now you're giving a lot of times the moms, the stay-at-home moms, an opportunity to make also that. So you're doubling their monthly income by giving them that. Um, and we're actually also taking people that were had making money at some of these call centers for $3 an hour, $3.50 an hour. But those call centers are really terrible places to work. They don't pay some months. Um, and we're saying, hey, instead of, because they hate commuting too. Hey, instead of commuting an hour and a half, two hours every single day, work from home, spend time with your kids, make the same amount of money, um, and also be able to work one-on-one -on -one with an entrepreneur that's growing their business versus this conglomerate. And so we have a Facebook group of over 1,500 virtual assistants that we've placed. Uh, and every single day, I have my team leader over there post uh, one of the posts that they make because every day they'll make a post that says, 
I thank God every day for scaling with systems. I'm a single mom and now I can take care of my kid, you know, and be at home and work, whatever it is. So it's a real win-win for us because we're having a huge impact on these virtual assistants' lives. Um, and then on top of it, we're giving them the training uh, and uh, the coursework that they need to become very valuable in the marketplace. And then we place them with our clients. And the things that I get worried about is like, what if they don't work or whatever it is, we actually offer a lifetime guarantee for our virtual assistants. So if for whatever reason, they're not performing, they're not what you want, you fill the form out. And within 48 hours, you have a, a new virtual assistant working for you. So, and they're aware of that, which is why our replacement VA is what we call them, the forum. Uh, is less than 5% uh, of our clients have ever gotten a replacement VA. So we have a 95% match rate on the first virtual assistant that we hire. Gosh, so sound, it sounds pretty powerful and it sounds like you get an awful lot of work done. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. And it's I, I'm, I'm selfish because it's like, I get a high on my client success, but I also get a really good high on like these virtual assistants. Uh, and I've had mine for two and a half years and, you know, she runs... Uh, the the whole Filipino operations, which is hundreds and hundreds of people a month that we're dealing with, with interviews and training and all of that. And I, you know, she, I hired her for two hundred and fifty cents an hour the, two year and a half years ago. So uh, the the compensation, you know, number one, you're tying it to the U.S. dollar to the to the pound, um, but also if you train them correctly, like it's the Filipino people, their discipline, the work ethic, it is absolutely unbelievable. And a lot of times, people are all. So like, oh, well, you're taking jobs away or I don't want all my people to be in the virtual, the Philippines, or whatever it is. Well, I now have 33 employees. And like I was telling you at the beginning of this, because of the time change, you know, we have six of them that are in the UK or Spain. Um, and then we have a bunch in the United States, a bunch in Canada. And so because I have the virtual assistants that are doing, quite frankly, the jobs that a lot of other people don't want to do, like emailing and cold calling and Facebook messaging and monitoring my email, I can then hire someone in the U.S. for some of the other high-level stuff I want to do, like chief technology officer, chief operating officer, whatever else it is. Um, and so because I hired the virtuals in the beginning, it gave, I was about to go under. It gave me the opportunity to then be able to hire you know, stateside or, and, or whoever else I wanted to hire with a full-fledged business later on. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. And you've done all of that in what, three years, four years? About two and a half years, actually. Yeah. Two and a half years. uh, Wow. Yeah. My first business was 18, uh, February of 2018. So. Goodness. There was um, a comment which you made um, about three questions ago where you kind of said, oh, if somebody had said about how hard it was going to be in the first six or eight months, I'm not sure whether I'd have done it. But do you ever hear an entrepreneur go out there and just say, oh, do you know what? First year, easy. Easy, right? Yeah, no, I, I knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and uh, there was a great book I read where they also said, like, you're not going to remember the nice cars, the nice, you know, the nice house, whatever it is. They say, anytime you talk to an entrepreneur about their story, what do they always talk about? You know, living on their brother's couch, eating pizza boxes every single day, leftovers, like, that's the fun part is like the struggle aspect of it. Um, you just want to eventually be able to get out of it. So then it's a fun story to tell at a, at a dinner rather than like an depressing how your business ended up. <laughs> it was um, my, my first proper business, I guess you'd call it. I set up in 2004. And um, so we're doing web design and branding way back when. And um, I remember my mum walked into, I used to live at home. Mum walked into the room and I kind of had one of those moments where I was like, fucking clients like properly just you know <laughs> losing my shit and um she t- i remember her saying like clear as day oh robin do you not think you should just go and get a proper job yep. and then and then uh she never really got what i did at all and you know i think she's quite proud of me anyway about 15 years later i uh was 15 years 10 mm, 2015 so i set up a networking meeting so 12 years later and uh, I, I said mum come along you know because 
she wasn't doing anything at that point. So I just come along, come and come and see what I get up to. And then she eventually went, Oh, now I get it. Like these are really nice people that you're hanging out with and you're working 12 with. Twelve years later, right? Twelve years later. <laughs> I, I tell this joke all the time. Um, what so a really big point in my business was uh, in February of 2019. I was on Fox News uh, for my advertising agency, and it was like a pretty big deal for me. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is going." I mean, we're scaling so fast. At that point, we were doing about two hundred thousand dollars a month, and I was like, "I was so I could not have been more proud." And after it went live. Uh, I was getting calls from all my family, my friends, and I still remember I get a call from my aunt on the Indian side, my dad's side, and you know, obviously they all want what's best for me. Like they, when people tell you this stuff, they just the reason your mom told you to get a proper job is because she just wants you to be safe and secure and take care of your family. And so, like, I'll, I'll caveat it with that. But I still remember she's like, "Congratulations on Fox News," and I was like, "Thank you so much." And so she's like, "Good, good." So when are you going to law school, though? And I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And at this point, it's just you're not if you're not getting it through at this point, it'll never happen. So. Uh, yeah, for everybody else listening to this too, majority of people won't under. That's the nice thing about like what Robin has set up here, this podcast, this group as well, is that like if you can find other people that are doing similar things, that you can motivate you, and uh, and they'll understand when everybody else has no idea what you're doing. It's it's funny. I I always say as well to to people and and mum especially because like I mean she, she does kind of get it now, but um just you know I I love doing what I'm doing so much. I would rather and like I was talking about coaches earlier on who take on clients just for themselves like selfishly when they're not necessarily the right fit. But for me I would always rather I love what I do so much. I would rather be like poor, homeless, destitute than take on a client that I don't I shouldn't be taken on. And I think that's like such a powerful message. And it's one thing which I get from you as well as like, you're deeply passionate about helping people get great results and you found a way to scale it yourself. Now you're obviously helping other people to scale it, which is, you know, ma- a massive accolade in such a short space of time. I think um, I'm, I'm sure your aunt is probably very proud of you, whether she <laughs> recognizes it or not. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm super blessed. And a lot of it had to do with like really great people that I met along the way. And I learned from also. So uh, I can't take uh, nearly any of the credit, honestly, it was really. And then now to have a team of people that you trust and like to be able to run stuff. Oh, my God, I could not imagine trying to run this as, as my own thing. But uh, yeah, and it was a great opportunity to meet awesome people like you, everyone else that's watching this as well. Once again, I would still be literally have just graduated law school in this like bubble of like law and like, you know, it wouldn't be just like, Every day. That's why I love what I do. I get to meet a new business owner that's running a new business that has new problems. And I'm, it's selfish. I get to learn how to solve these problems with these business owners. So now it's like, oh, I actually haven't had that problem in business. So let me like set us up so we don't have to have that problem later on down the line. And I get to learn from my clients as well. So as much as I think altruistically of how I left up in the VAs and my clients, I get so much back from it myself that helps us grow and scale faster that I just regurgitate back to my clients. Ah, amazing. So listen, we're coming up towards the end. So I've got a couple of um, sort of questions to close close the, uh, the podcast episode down on. So um, you have a free uh, course, don't you, on how to scale your company? Yeah. So uh, whenever I talk, I talk really quickly. And so my COO was like, you should need to get something for people to be able to actually consume some of this stuff, like where to hire virtual assistants at, how to run paid ads, how to set up the lead generation, how to do these like 300, 500 outbound messages a day. So I did create a course. It's about five and a half hours of totally free content. Wow. Um, and if you go to scalingwithsystems.com slash fearless, we actually made one for this uh, little podcast here. So scalingwithsystems.com slash fearless, you can get access to that, um, that course. Like I said, it's about five and a half hours and it's going to walk you through uh, automation tools that we use, where to hire virtual assistants from. A lot of my uh, mastermind recordings I throw in there as little kind of uh, lead magnets as well. So I, I definitely think it'll be pretty valuable. 
Awesome. Oh, well, thank you for setting that up for the listeners. Hugely appreciate that. So we'll make sure we yeah. share a, um, a link to that in the show notes as well. But it was scalingwithsystems.com forward slash fearless. Um, and obviously you're on you're on LinkedIn, Instagram, usual kind of things, website address, obviously scalingwithsystems.com. Yeah, you could just type in my first and last name, R-A-V-I-A-B-U-V-A-L-A, Ravi Bavala on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm the only one in the world so, that I know of, I guess, except for the fake accounts they make of me. But um, but yeah, you type that in there. And also, if you're coming from here too, shoot me a message and let me know you came to the podcast. I always like talking to people that 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 listen for the you know hour we're on this thing and, and wanted to hear what you thought. Awesome. Well, Ravi, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've got one final question for you, which I, I ask all of our um, all all of the guests on the show. So we're going to hop into the fearless business time machine. It's a bit like um, a much better version of the De- DeLorean on uh, Back to the Future with fewer Iranians, basically. Um, and you get to punch in the date in the past and uh, we're going to go back there and then you're going to have a word with Ravi. What date would it be and or year would it be? And what would you say to him? Uh, I guess I would probably go back to um, the the pretty much the date I graduated around the time that I graduated and my dad was diagnosed with with cancer and it was a really uncertain time in my life and I love my dad but he was he was pretty negative during the whole you know he thought it was the end and so I'm like trying to be positive for him trying to be positive for me trying to study for law school and trying to figure out my future at the same time uh, and so it was a really I would say by far the most difficult time in my entire life and I think I would just tell myself like you, it's going to work out no matter, even if I had chosen law school, like it's everything. I don't want to sound like cheesy, but everything happens for a reason. And just like, enjoy this time, enjoy this time with your dad and just like, just go through it and go through the punches with them. And so now I know that. And now whatever I'm I like, I've, like I told you, I just moved and I faced some really huge obstacles in the past 30, 60, 90 days, ginormous ones. But now I just look at it in such a different lens of like opportunities to grow and opportunities to like kind of build my thick skin. And uh, back then I was just like this baby little calf who was just like, Oh my God, the world's ending. Like how, why me, what was me? And so I think I would have just sat myself down and be like, look, it's, it's going to be hard but this is actually going to be one of the best things that could have ever happened to you. Well, I mean, your dad's incredibly lucky and um, you, you're an incredible like bag of positivity. So um, it's, it, it's a real blessing. I appreciate that, you know, we've, we've actually gone on a little bit longer than we normally do on the podcast, but you've delivered so much value. So I really appreciate it, Ravi. Thank you so much for coming on. Robin, thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I had a blast on here. Everybody else that listened to this whole thing, whether in the group or the podcast itself, I do appreciate your guys' time. And I hope you get to connect with some of you guys soon.